Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. How are you? I'm good, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing good. Do you ever find whenever you say big, brave business that you enunciate really hard on the B? Because I do. Big, brave business. I don't think so. I think I kind of slur it. (laughs) You tend to say triple B. That's what cracks me up is whenever we refer to it, you're like triple B. It is cute, but it's so strange because when I'm talking about it, I just call it big, brave business. Nope, I don't. (laughs) I don't. I should. I should, but I don't. How are you? What's going on with you today? Just it's a very like big meeting day for me. Meetings all day, except my whole morning is you, which is wonderful. I mean, I love all my meetings, actually. They make me really happy. But yeah, we're doing back to backers today. (laughs) Me and Amanda. We're recording and then we are having a meeting, which is what happens when you're frenzies and clients together. (laughs) I guess you're my client. I'm a service provider, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I am excited that we're going to have this conversation today because as everybody that has ever listened to this show knows, we love our clients, obviously, like we genuinely do and love their businesses like our own. And I'm excited that we're going to talk a little bit about some things that we have learned from our clients over the years of working with them. I think it'd be really interesting to have a conversation about what we have grown from like working with our clients and how that's shaped us as entrepreneurs and business owners. So you want to kick it off? Sarah, what is the one thing that you have? We're going to do three, but what's the first thing that you have learned the most from working with your clients? The first thing that comes to mind is about transparency. Just transparency is the best policy. We're all humans and it's a human to human relationship. So I think that there's some corporate learning where you use a lot of buzzwords or you say things or present things in a certain way where, you know, a big thing in corporate for me was like, oh, you have to look busy and you have to look Mm -hmm. busy in front of certain people, right? You, You need to give an impression, always give an impression that you're busy. And it's so different with clients where instead of what's the appearance or like, how do I create this veneer? for these clients to have a certain perspective perspective or to have a certain perception of me it's better to just be transparent and open and just communicate about what's going on if even something as simple as like why an episode is going to take me an extra day longer to turn around just being honest and saying like something came up with my kids or my kids came over for a surprise family dinner Or, you know, I'm really, I haven't been well, or my husband hasn't been well, or whatever it is, just like sharing the actual transparent reason. It's going to take me an extra day to turn it around, but it's still plenty of time before your episode goes live or whatever it is. People are like, 
I genuinely care about you as a human and I appreciate the transparency rather than judgmental or critical of like, but I expected this at a certain time. So I think learning the, fir- the first thing that comes to mind that I've learned from working with clients is that transparency is the best policy. It's a great, that's a great one. That's a really good one, actually, now that you've said that. And that's your first one. Now I've got to think of one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. So I think the number one thing that I have learned from working with clients is that they genuinely want you to be invested in their business. I can't think of a single client that I have that just says, I wish you were a little bit less invested. (laughs) I've never had a client say to me, "Um, I wish you cared just a little less. Like if I hear anything, and I've talked to a lot of business owners that aren't my clients, like just people looking for services with people, they just want somebody to give a shit about their baby, which is their business. And that's I mean, that's not a hard ask, but if you're, if you don't make it a priority, it can be easily forgotten. You know, Mm -hmm. there are businesses that I worked with early on where I looked at myself as a resource and not as a person. And that was a failure on my part. And I kept thinking like, if you work with that mindset of they'll give me a task and then I'll do it, then you're a resource. You are the same thing as Trello, Asana, Kajabi, Thinkific, Monday capsule, all the platforms, you are, you're just a resource. However, all those platforms can't replace a person that gives a shit about their business. And they just genuinely want you to care. They don't, they want you to care like, Hey, I think this graphic looks awesome. Or, Hey, I think that this sale you made is awesome. Like people genuinely want you to care human to human, person to person, specifically with entrepreneurs, because we don't, they don't have anybody like it's very lonely can feel very isolating. And so I think a big thing is just giving a shit about their business. And that's why I tell people that are interested in becoming a VA when you are interviewing with someone and this goes for any service provider, honestly, but when you're work, when you're interviewing with someone, don't just think, how do I get this person to say yes to my offer? How do I get this person to like give me their money? Think to yourself, do I really want to work for this person and work in their business? Like, do I really care about their business or could I see myself caring about their industry? Because that is 100% going to fuel your, your ability to work hard, but also what's going to get you out of bed in the morning and like, what kind of a job do you want to do? Do you want to do an A plus job or do you just want to barely get by and make the money just so you can say you did it? So giving a shit. <laughs> that's mine. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's a big reason why for people of a certain personality type like you and me, it this is a better fit than corporate because doing service provider work as entrepreneurs and running our own business is a better fit because we do give a shit. We want to give a shit and we don't want to just clock in, you know, punch out a to-do list that somebody else put together and then clock back out. We want to give a shit and giving a shit in corporate is exhausting. It's fucking exhausting because you are working your ass off all day and then you get home and you're completely depleted and the stuff that actually matters to you, you don't have anything left to give. Right. So I think, 
I think that's a really good and important one to point out. And I also think it's part of the reason why it's such a good fit for people like us. And and I understand yeah. it's not for everybody. Some people want work that they can, that they don't have to give a shit about, to your point, give a shit to people who don't give a, like there are people out there who don't want to give a shit about the work they do. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to just clock in and out. But if you want to give a shit about the work you do, this is a good fit for a line of work. So I think that's a good one. And I'm going to piggyback off of that for my second one and say, work with people you genuinely like and this has been kind of a hard lesson for me I think because I have gotten into business with people who could pay me really good money but I didn't really like as people and I thought that mm -hmm. I could make it it's going to be okay because they can pay me a dollar amount that will make it worth working with them, but how they talk to me, how they talk to you, and um, all of that ended up leading to the end of that relationship where the people who I genuinely like, I'm not just invested in their business, but I'm invested in them as people, and it ends up being reciprocated, right? Like you build an authentic, genuine relationship, which to your point, entrepreneurship can be so freaking lonely. And so becoming friends with your clients, it's like, it feels like that should be taboo or sticky, but actually it's like, to me, it's so precious that some of the most important people in my life, they do pay me for professional services, but also we are genuinely friends and I care about them as people. I care about how they're doing. So it's not just how's your business? How are your sales? When's your next launch? Like I'm invested in this going well. It's also how are you like as a human? How are you as a person? And how are you feeling about this? And what, you know, are you, are you well physically as your family? Well, what's going on at home? And how is this business impacting your life? And what could it do for your life and what could it do for your mental health or your, you know, what, <laughs> how could it, you know, let's dream together and let's, let's help make those dreams come true for each other and support each other in that and cheer each other on. And I know that my clients are genuinely happy for me to celebrate with me when I'm celebrating something and vice versa, whether it's directly related to podcasting or not. So I think working with people who you genuinely like, and that sounds so much easier said than done, because when you're first starting out, you're like, literally anyone who pay will pay me, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I hear people talking about like working with people you like and getting to be discerning, but but I think this really all goes back to what spaces you're spending time in and how you're marketing because then you're attracting people who you are inclined to like versus attracting just anyone and especially attracting specifically people who make a lot of money and have a lot of money to spend. That's not the that's not the goal. The goal is to attract people who you genuinely want to work with. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's a that's a really great one for sure. And like to your point, it is easier when you're sitting in our position to say like love the people that you work with because I know that's like the goal is for everybody to work with someone that they like. But what I would say to that is if you can't, if you don't have the luxury yet of being that selective, make sure you enjoy the work. If you don't enjoy the niche, if you don't enjoy necessarily the the space, like I have clients that I work with that are heavy, heavy in the financial industry. I do not like that work. 
I do not care about that niche. I do not care about anything about that's related to it. I do not do my own taxes. I hate everything to do with that. However, the work itself benefits so many people that are in lower income areas who do not have accessibility to financial literacy. Um, that work itself makes it worth it. Even though I personally don't love it, I love the fact that I'm helping other people and it helps me feel like I'm giving back. So if you can't work with like, for instance, probably my ideal client would be someone who is in a creative space, who is fun and upbeat and outgoing and their product or services are super colorful and bright and fun. Like that's the kind of person I want to work with. However, if that person is not available and I need to work with someone who works in a financial sector, I can find some kind of positive, like positive spin on it. And if you can do that mentally, it, it can be worth it. And also I will also add, maybe this needs to be my second thing, but if you don't love the idea of working with a specific person, charge higher, charge higher, <laughs> make it worth your time. If you're not going to enjoy the person, charge more period, the end. And if they say yes to it and they're willing to charge to take on the higher charge, then it's totally worth the headache in my opinion. Okay. Or at least Rant it can take over. this, it can take the sting out at least. And that's what I really heard. does help. <laughs> that's what I've heard people say from a coaching perspective is find what dollar amount makes the resentment stop. If you resent your client, it's probably you're not charging enough. So what dollar amount ends that resentment like what would make it worth it and for some people that dollar amount is going to be way higher <laughs> that's very, and that's very, such very an true. interesting thing too because charging people different amounts is a weird mindset shift from the way we're taught anything about pricing and business ever and I think it does depend somewhat what your offer is, but if it's project work, then you can charge based on the scope of the project and the scope of the project includes who the client is. So depending on what you do, raising your prices could definitely solve the problem. <laughs> I will also add that if when someone comes to me and asks to work with me or wants to have a call to work with me, the way you approach me totally dictates the, the quote I'm going to give you. Like full stop, full stop. It has to be a good vibe energy wise. We have to get along. We have to be like in synchronicity with our goals. Like it matters to me. And again, this is a luxury I know that I'm in and I know a lot of people are still trying to get there and it's like, it takes time. It's taken me years, but when you can get to that spot, like there is freedom there. So third lesson that I've learned from working with clients, I'm going to say is about turnover. And that is that it happens, that working with clients is not going to be permanent. Some situations are going to be longer term than others, but in general to anticipate that it is a temporary situation and ultimately it is going to end. And that sucks and it's hard and it hurts <laughs> because especially to all the things we just talked about. You love what you do. You love the person. You love the business. Even, even if you don't love all those things, you're invested in, you're invested in the project and you're invested in the results that it gets for other people and how it helps other people and why it means something to the people who are consuming the content or purchasing the offer. Like you're invested in that. And when it ends, it can hurt. But I think that 
kind of expecting that and approaching the relationship in your mind, knowing that, first of all, the relationship doesn't necessarily have to end because if you're building authentic connections with people, you can maintain those authentic connections, but that the working relationship is temporary. And I also think that one part of taking the sting off of that is the fact that you have all these other clients that you work with that you're invested in and you love and there's always more coming. So there's always new ones to come to be excited about. And as soon as I'm sad about a project turning over, there is, there's new sales calls, there's new exploratory calls, there's new projects in the pipeline that I'm like, I can't wait to work on this. So it's um, acknowledging that this is temporary. It's ultimately going to turn over at some point. Again, some will last years, some will last weeks, but it's going to turn over at some point, but you know that there's so much more coming. That's a great, a great lesson. And I would also encourage, I have learned, and maybe you'll hopefully have the same experience. It is crazy how anytime that I have lost a client, whether they have moved on to somebody else or they decided to stop their business, which I had somebody do recently that just decided they wanted to get out of the business altogether. It is very interesting to see new people pop up, new people pop up and take the place of someone who's just moved out. That's why I never panic is there are endless amounts of people, there's endless amounts of money, and there's endless amounts of opportunities. Yeah. And so when someone leaves, whether or not they're a big client or a small client, I never really panic because I'm like, there's like so many people in the world. There's it's so not- many people in the world. For me, it's not panic. It's like genuinely grief. Like I grieve projects turning over, which sounds maybe dramatic if you're not as like, I don't know, emotionally invested as I get. But it's like I, especially people who I've been with longer term or who I've been with since the beginning of my business or whatever, like I think it has been a mindset shift for me because people who I've been working with for a couple of years and then they, their circumstances change, their situation changes. It's, it, it is like, wow, I didn't, I didn't picture my business without you in it. Like, I don't, yeah. it, it almost so feels sweet, like a breakup Sarah. or like abandonment. I don't know. I'm actually kind of realizing like, girl, you got issues. <laughs> You're like, that's sweet. I, I'm like, well, maybe I need you therapy. Are a, you are a little, you are a little alone on this one. I don't, I don't grieve it, but I'm also not nearly as sensitive and sweet as you are either. Like that's very. It sweet definitely and depends. It definitely depends on the project or the person for how significant that is. But it is. I mean, it is real for me, and I think that's been a hard lesson because you have to let people go and know. First of all, they may come back to you. Second of all, they are definitely going to refer people to you because if that love is that real, then they're definitely going to send people your way, right? And also feeling good about the work that you did together while you could do it. But it is funny to your point of how quickly then shifting that focus and shifting that energy of what's in the pipeline and getting genuinely excited. Like there are projects that I come to you or I come to Eric and I'm like, this is what's in the pipeline and it's so cool. Can you imagine if we land this? Like how neat it would be to work on this project. So there's always new projects coming and I like, you know, that helps pad the grief. But yeah, I do. I do grieve it. And yeah, maybe I need therapy. (laughs) No, it's sweet. It's really sweet. I think because I've had my life has started over 
and never been on a straight, normal path. I feel like my life has started over so many times and I've had so many different, like when I think about my life, I think about all the different subsets of people who have come and gone. To me, it's like I, I expect it. Like I expect that I have people for this time and this season. I have this relationship with you. I will invest in this relationship with you. And then when it's time for the season to move on, we'll move on and, and bigger and better things, you know. But I do think that's really sweet that you feel that way. And just a, it's a it's a sign about how invested you get. And it's also like you're birthing something with somebody else. Like you're creating something that's going out into the world and hundreds of people, if not thousands of people are listening to it each week. It's a beautiful thing what you do. You help Thank people you. find their voices and magnify it. I think it's wonderful. And that lives on to a certain extent, right? Like the people who heard it were impacted and whether the podcast stays on the internet and people continue to find it or the podcast goes away completely, but the people who heard it, that hopefully impacted them in some short or long-term way and it affected who they are and how they take up space in the world. And like, you can't really measure that level of impact. That's really powerful. Anyways, what's your third one? (laughs) Get me off my sentimental train. This was a good topic, though. I like it. The three things going back and forth. I like those, too. It's like it's a good conversation. Okay, so my third thing that I have learned the most from working with clients is the power of setting boundaries. And I know that sounds like a no brainer. But what the boundaries that I mean are, it's not only like, oh, hey, I need I'm like I clock out at five and I won't be available. The boundaries also that I mean is how do you talk to me? Like I very, very recently started putting my foot down about, hey, the tone in this email is not appropriate. Like I know you're under stress, but we're going to work together and nobody is on your team more than me. This goes back to having clear communication. I have clients that I've worked with for a very long time and I've never had anybody be just incredibly disrespectful to me because I wouldn't put up with that. But there are times in high stress, understandably, we are like, we have a launch coming. Nothing's working. Oh my God, the email automation isn't working. And I've got 250 people signed up for my mastermind and nobody's getting it because the automation isn't working and it's not my fault and it's not their fault. It's a tech fault. And I understand you're stressed, but guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to disrespect each other. We're not going to talk to each other in a way that we normally wouldn't because it is a high stress situation. That is something very recently that I have started putting my foot down on and just realizing like, words are so powerful to me and they carry so much weight. And even if, because I'm really good about rolling things off my back and being like, whatever, that's their problem, not my problem kind of thing. I can get into that mindset. But I also, like I've said on this podcast, it will affect how I see your business. So I'm going to address it and tell you, hey, like I understand nobody has your back more than me, but we're also going to respect each other and we're going to work on this together. And I have learned that saying that setting that expectation for them that like, hey, I don't put up with that no matter what the situation has got me longer term clients, clients that are willing to bonus me, give me raises or just appreciate me in general, like who have come back and apologized. And that has never happened again. But working with clients has taught me to circle back. It's taught me that having a voice, speaking your truth, speaking up for yourself is so important and vital to the health of yourself but also to like the health of the relationship like if I had if I didn't say anything about it or if I didn't care about you I wouldn't say anything about it I would bill those hours do mediocre work and we would probably end our relationship in six months on bitter terms but no I'm gonna address it 
we're going to set the boundary and the expectation that we're going to speak to each other in a nice way and in a patient tone. Like, again, I'm not a robot, but I promise you nobody's working harder thinking about you more in your business than me. And if I'm slow to respond or if you think you have an emergency that has to call my time on a dime, we're going to speak like appropriately to one another. Because if we were in offices beside each other, it would take you longer to walk to my office and come talk to me and explain the situation than it would the 10 minutes for me to read your email to get caught up and to respond to you. So like, we're going to be nice. We're going to be friends and we're going to be nice and we're going to be respectful. That is something that I would encourage anybody. Yeah. And I think that is such a good one because I haven't had to have quite the same conversations you're talking about, but I have had uh, several times. I have had to say to people things along the lines of it may take me a day, like one day to respond to an email. It might. It might take me one day to respond to a Voxer message because depending on when you send it and the time zone difference and whatever other things I'm working on and I've got going on, like you're not my only client and you're also my clients are not my only responsibility in life. Like it might take me one day. (laughs) And if you don't hear from me after one day, definitely follow up. But it might take me a day to respond to you. Yeah. And I will also follow up with that and say, um, if you do anticipate that you're going to need me on something on the fly, I will prioritize you if you prioritize telling me. <laughs> but <laughs> like, also, give me if a you need, also, if you need priority responsiveness, you're going to get charged for that. Like, you're not going to get my sense of urgency in, like, beyond that in, uh, my standard rate right like if you want access honestly you pay me really in the grand scheme of things very little for what it costs to live right so if you need me to prioritize your message above my family my health my sleep my other clients you're paying for that Yeah, totally agree. It's that whole thing of um, failure to plan on your part does not result in an emergency on mine. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Failure to plan on your part does not result in an emergency on mine. So if you decided you woke up this morning two hours behind me in a different time zone and oh my God, you need me to do something right now. And I'm in the middle of a meeting with a client that had did take the time and did schedule out this time a week in advance. um, I'm not going to respond. And not only am I not going to respond immediately, but I'll respond to you in the approved time, which is I tell all my clients within two hours, I will give you a virtual nod, which basically means like, yep, I got it. I hear you. I see you, whatever. That doesn't mean I'm going to have the project done in two hours. That tells you I'm working on this. It is on my radar. And if I tell you that it's on my radar, like (laughs) nobody is thinking about all the things I have to do more than me. So last and final lesson, setting boundaries. And I think a lot of people think that means work-life balance. I encourage you to think of it as what boundaries can I set that will better my relationship with my clients and Uh, also like my general overall mindset and health of how you live. (laughs) I want to add another one too to that of I also have had to have conversations about 
this is not in our contract, in the scope of our contract. Like, this is out of scope. What you're asking for is out of scope. And that has been a hard thing, too, because both you and I are the type of people who go above and beyond. But Mm -hmm. then you set the expectation that you can ask me to do anything at any time and I will do it. And so having to set those boundaries and then stand firm to those boundaries of like, this is not in the scope of the contract. We have a contract. This is not in the scope of the work that we agreed to. That doesn't mean I'm not open to amending the contract, but the contract as it stands does not does not cover this, exactly. right? And that's hard. But I think to your point about this being a really important lesson, this carries over into so many other places. This Once you are practicing this with your clients, it carries over into your other relationships in your life and you start not being able to live any other way. And I actually want to share this story too. I also teach at the university in my area, which is also my alma mater. And uh, I do that on the side online. It's just totally part-time remote. And honestly, when I started my business, I like needed the consistent income. Now I do not need it. I just love it. So I keep doing it. But I started becoming a squeaky wheel in that context too, because to your point, these, this lesson that I've learned from working with clients is to set boundaries and to speak up and to find your voice and to stand up for yourself and just to, to, navigate those boundaries clearly and to communicate them clearly up the chain basically. And and that carries over into all these other aspects. And I started doing that in this department. I'm working on this project. It doesn't matter and it'd be too specific, but I started working on this big project in this department and, um, and I started speaking up and I very much felt like a squeaky wheel. Like I thought I'm going to get fired, but it's okay if I do because I don't need this anymore. I just, I want to do it, but I only want to do it if it's going to be done in a way that's respectful of me, my time, my effort, etc. And I started speaking up for myself and not only did I not get fired, I got an award. So they ended up honoring me um, as faculty associate of the year and specifically shouted out my work on the project and developing the project and what it's meant for the department. And so it turns out speaking up for myself and, and defending those boundaries actually brought more value. And that is a huge, huge, huge lesson that came from working with clients and setting those boundaries and living my life that way. Where like, now I couldn't go back. I used to be that eager, like, W-2 employee that was so eager to just do whatever and I will pour everything into it. And if you text me on the nights and weekends, I'm going to respond. And if you like want me to work 60 hours a week, I'm going to work 60 hours a week and I'm going to do it with my like tail wagging and my ears back. Like, I'm ready. Please, please give me work. Like, I'm here. Don't fire me. Like, I just want to show that I'm valuable. And it's so freaking different now to be like, nope, I have boundaries. And actually that brings more value. And it brings people to respect you more. So I think that's a really good one. It's very true. Well, I think this has been a really great discussion about what we have learned the most from working with clients. I hope that you found it as interesting as we did to talk about. As always, we love hearing from you. So please connect with us on Instagram at Big Brave Business. Sarah is at Sarah K. Heater. And I am at Amanda Nelson Reads. And also, by the time that you're listening to this, you will get ready to hear of a very exciting announcement where we are going to be releasing some videos on YouTube. YouTube. We are so excited. We've got some really cool things coming up um, that I think that you're just going to love diving into. If you have ever heard or seen um, Vogue's 21 questions, I think it is. Oh, that I think they it's asked, like 60. Um, 
I think you're right, actually. I think it is a lot more. Um, we started doing a series like that with ourselves, but also with some people that we absolutely love and appreciate and think are just bring incredibly bring incredible value to the world. So we're super excited to share those videos that will be coming live to you soon. So make sure that you like and subscribe. And I also want to say that if you're listening to this and you love the show, please leave us a review. We don't often ask for those, but I love to read them. I have mentioned I'm an Enneagram 6 and I love words of affirmation. Do it, people. Tell me all the good things that you love about the show and we will so appreciate you. So we'll see you next week. See you next week and see you over on YouTube.